You know, I find myself now telling a lot of stories. I have to tell a lot of stories because it's my duty to help Woods and Michael understand what all of you are trying to say and trying not to say to them. I tell so many stories that it's hard to keep track of which of them I've told which story. And so I find myself halfway through explaining something and realize I think I might have already told him that. And Woods, of course, tells me immediately if I have. So, of course, there's times when I think they need to understand. And so I just go ahead and share the story again with them. You know, and it's, it's kind of a thing that I sympathize with now because in this new world of television, with live streaming, with Netflix and Hulu and Plex, I have more options at the end of the day than I ever had before. And sometimes I will see a new show or a new episode, and I think that really looks great. I think I'll look into that, or one of you have told me about your favorite one. And I'll pick up the remote and click on the screen, and it'll say, you have a choice. Resume playing or start from the beginning. That's when I discover, I think I've already seen it. I don't mind repeating a good show. The trouble is that most of the time, I need a moment to think back on what that show was about and what the episode I just saw was. This never used to happen, did it? You don't have to watch The Twilight Zone or Dick Van Dyke show because you know that every single time it's a new show from beginning to end. I think that's secretly why I like Hallmark they have a great beginning, a tragic middle, and a great ending. But nowadays, when we look back on the good old times, soap operas were the only ones that we had to catch up on, like all of the shows now that we have to. Now, even the on-demand shows show that children's programs are continuation, just like soap operas, much less our adult shows. We never want to start in the middle, do we? We assume that we have the right and the time to start from the very beginning so that we don't feel lost when we're watching the show. That's kind of how I feel Peter was today in our story, but magnified by hundreds of time. When he thinks that he, James, and John are headed off with Jesus into the mountains, he thinks maybe they're going to go for a special summit meeting. Maybe they're going to organize the next mission blitz. They're going to try and take this ministry to the next level, except that when they reach the mountaintop, they find Jesus is utterly transformed, and Elijah and Moses are there with him. And I can almost hear Peter saying, wait, didn't Moses die in season two, like maybe a thousand years ago? And I thought that Elijah was pursuing other opportunities in heaven. There they are, the two of them talking with Jesus. And Jesus, well, he's shining like the sun. And the only thing Peter knows is that there is a lot more going on than he could possibly understand. I love the commentary from Mark's gospel that I just read to you because Peter offers us the idea of building shrines, one for each of them that are there. I've heard some Peter, people say that Peter was doing this and trying to get across this concept, but I love Mark's explanation 
because he says, Peter just didn't know what to do. So he went about talking about building shrines. I have been there. Probably you have too. Peter is just trying to fake it until he can make it. He is trying to be a part of the conversation. He is stalling for time so he can make something out of this that makes sense to him. Let's hang out with these guys a bit longer. Maybe I'll be able to catch up on whatever they are talking about. And then comes the voice. This is my son, whom I dearly love. Listen to him. And suddenly, immediately, there's only Jesus in their presence. And then they're walking again. Any understanding is going to have to come along the way. Don't talk about this until I'm risen from the dead, Jesus said. And they go, what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to die, Jesus? Never mind. You'll know it when it comes about. Oh, well, Jesus, someone told us that Elijah would come first. And is that going to happen? Or is that what just happened? No, no, Elijah came and went years ago. You missed that entirely. So they keep walking, and the story doesn't stop. It doesn't go back to the beginning. Jesus keeps moving, and the disciples move along with him. The voice they heard is not going to go back to the beginning. It's not going to rehash everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen. They don't need to understand what is going on. What they need to understand is who Jesus is. Again, the voice they remember. This is my son, whom I dearly love. Listen to him. We often talk about holy patience in the church, and there is a valuable time in our lives and a place for that patience. But there are many times when waiting is just not what we are called to do. The Gospel of Mark is not a patient kind of story. In the very first chapters, Jesus is calling his disciples. He calls Peter and Andrew, James and John, and he tells them, come and follow me, and I will make you fisher, a people. And then they drop their nets, unmended, unstored. They just leave them on the shore, and they follow Jesus immediately. We can't afford to wait until we feel like it or until the time is convenient. We can't wait until the timing is right from our perspective. When Christ calls you, the time is right. Later, Mark tells us about a time that Jesus went into the synagogue. When he shows up, the evil spirits that had been hiding in all the places of the sanctuary began to shriek and yell, and they shook the body of the one that they possessed, and they shake the spirits of the whole congregation. We cannot afford to wait until the moment that the Word of God is not going to cause any trouble. When we say that Christ speaks with authority, we mean that Jesus names the things that have been hiding in our midst and brings them out, and he casts them out from us. It shakes us, and it shakes those around us, because the world gets shaken when it's turned right side up. And Mark even shows us that we cannot wait to rest and ask God what comes next. 
We saw what happened when Jesus' ministry got its momentum. He was preaching and teaching. He was healing and casting out demons. And all of Capernaum is coming to his doorstep. And then when all else fills the space, Jesus steps out the back door to pray and to seek his Father's will. He does that before the momentum runs out. He doesn't wait until a crisis comes. He doesn't wait until he hits rock bottom. He doesn't wait until he maximizes all the good that he can do. The first thing that he does is seeks his Father's will. And when the disciples come and find him, Jesus says, we have to go to the next town, for that's why I've come. I've come to preach the good news to all of those who will listen. We can't wait until we're exhausted, we have exhausted all of our options. We can't add to the will of God on the top of all of the other good things in life. We have to seek it first if we want to see not only what is good, but what we were made for. We can't wait until we've exhausted all of the other options. And today we find that we can't wait until we've got it all figured out. We can't wait until we know exactly where this is taking us or what is going to happen, or what are all the steps that have led up to this very moment in this time in our lives. The fundamental question is not about our past or our future, or even about us at all. The fundamental question is this, who is right now before us? Right now. The early Christians had it pretty simple. When it came to figuring out who is really with Jesus and who was really paying attention to Jesus. You see, Jesus wouldn't stay very long in any one place. He didn't give time for false pretenses to stick. Jesus just stayed on the move. He got fast and he got hard. And he shared the gospel everywhere that he goes. And those who had not set their hearts on him just fell away. Those who know that Jesus has the word of life keep following him. We see it again and again. Jesus gets a big crowd, then he goes off, and only a few of them are with him in the next town. He doesn't have time to sketch out a map for them and let them know every step that he is going. He doesn't have time to tell folks that we're going to be here in the next three years. All he says is, I am here and the kingdom of God is here, and that's enough. Which is to say, I am sympathetic to Peter here. I've heard a lot of sermons about this passage, and in those sermons I've heard a lot of reasons why Peter had spoken up. And it seems obvious that what he wasn't quite sure of, he should probably have kept to himself. The momentum he speaks, he sees to ruin everything, and this really beautiful, glorious scene with Elijah, Moses, and the sparkling lights, because when he spoke, they went out. But I think that ignores one fundamental truth. Peter did get a response, and the word that he heard was the only word any of us need to hear. This is my son, the beloved one. Listen to him. You have been dropped into the middle of this story, 
God was at work long before you came around, and long after you're gone, Jesus will still be at work. You've been dropped into the middle of this story, and you'll never figure it all out. But all you need to do is answer within your heart that one question. Is it not, where is this going? But the correct question is, who is this calling? And when you can answer that, then perhaps you will realize that God has been at work in your life long before you ever knew it, long before you ever recognized his presence. There was a moment that you thought was a lucky break, a moment that you thought was a close escape. There was a moment that you thought was going to wound you forever, but now you look back and you can see that Jesus brought you through it. This is a moment to hear what is God saying. This is the moment to hear what God is saying. Right now, Christ is in the middle of each of our stories. He is not just a good teacher. Jesus has more than just good advice to give us. He's not just the architect that put together the world and a plan to keep you interested. The one who is calling you is the Lord, the Son of God. He is with you on the mountaintop. He is with you in the middle of the valley. He is in the middle of the shadow of death walking you through it. He is with you in the middle of the road. He is with you in the middle of the wilderness. He is with you in the midst of your loneliness. Jesus, Son of God, beloved one, do not wait to say yes. Yes, Lord, that is who you are. And I will listen to you for the rest of my life. Dear God, let it be so. Amen.